Last week, we had nine people get baptized in Jesus Christ. Amen. So excited about that. Amen. And I think it just blew me away because I was texting, you know, a lot of people just saying, look, I mean, that's the first time I've baptized that many people who most of them I really didn't know or I just met. And uh, literally two people I met in the tank. So that day I was like, hey, I'm Pastor Matt, by the way, and uh, whatever. But isn't that good? And I looked at them and said, amen, brothers and sisters in Christ. Amen. And so I'm so excited about that great, great story, um, people's lives, what the Lord is doing and how he's really moving in people's lives. I'm so excited. And really the greatest miracle we could ever, ever experience is the miracle of salvation. Amen. In Jesus Christ. That's the greatest thing. Some people want to see blind eyes open and a lot of other things, but I, I'm so excited when, when a soul is saved and when people decide to follow Jesus. How many can lift your hand up to heaven and say, I've decided to follow Jesus, amen, this morning. So I'm excited about that and really on the tail of that and the end, uh, tail end of that and uh, uh, kind of put an exclamation mark on that and um, really it's just to preach this message today. I was just thinking about how fitting this would be um, concerning last week in our baptismal service and really going into the new year. Amen. In Romans chapter 1, let's get right into the word. I'm going to read the scripture and then we'll pray. Um, I want to talk to you today about being unashamed. Unashamed. Romans chapter 1, starting in verse 16, very familiar passage of scripture to, on this subject. In Romans chapter 1, Paul is addressing the Roman Christians, the church at Rome, Verse 16, and I'm reading out of the NIV. He says, For I am not ashamed of this good news about Jesus, for it is God's powerful method of bringing all who believe in this plan to heaven. This message was preached first at the Jews alone, but now everyone is invited to come to God in this same way. Verse 17, This good news tells us that God makes us ready for heaven, makes us right in God's sight, uh, when we put our faith and trust in Christ to save us, this is accomplished from start to finish by faith. As the scripture says, the man who finds life will find it through trusting in God. Amen. Can you say amen? Do you love that scripture? Amen. Verse 16, for I am not ashamed of the good news or the gospel of Jesus Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we just thank you for a wonderful day, another chance to meet together as believers, to encourage each other, to be encouraged, to, amen, to give encouragement, Lord, to minister to other people, but also just to hear your word. That's so important, Lord, and so vital in our lives that we need to hear your word. And Lord, we pray that as the, the word goes forth today, that it just Come, hits us right in the heart, amen, with strength and hope and love. Lord, in everything that the word is, we pray that it would impact our lives today. And we give you all the praise and the glory in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. amen. Romans chapter 1, verse 16, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. He's going into this chapter and he begins to talk about really the plan of righteousness through Jesus Christ and the cross of Jesus Christ. And he talks about how God has good news for you. And then he begins to follow up this chapter and talks about God's anger and the reason for it. And we stop there at the good news. We stop at what he's talking about, the good news of God, of Jesus Christ. And, but we need to read the rest about what he says about the anger of the 
Lord that was kindled in the judgment of the Lord and the reasons for it. And begins to talk about the righteousness of the Lord. And as I began to think about this, I thought about one of the things that marked the apostles and the disciples, especially in the early days, but actually the whole church. And the theme and the primary focus and theme that they were kind of really was fueling their preaching was that they were unashamed. They had such boldness about the Lord. They were so convinced and who Jesus was and what the mission was. And I believe that it, we need to have that same boldness. Can anybody say amen? I believe that in our day and in our culture, amen, as Paul was writing to the Roman church, in the Roman culture, he was saying, I am not ashamed. I believe that we should live unashamed. I believe that we should live boldly for the Lord and unashamed of Jesus Christ. Amen. Specifically, the preaching of the gospel. The, the, really, the principles of the cross of Jesus Christ and everything that the cross represents. Does anybody agree with that? Amen. And so we, we, we believe that and we, we see this in the lives of the apostles is that the primary ingredient really with the apostles was boldness. The unashamed attitude, the unapologetic approach, the fully convinced and persuaded view, the unrelenting pursuit and passion for the gospel, completely in love with Jesus and sold out to the mission of Christ. This is what we see in the apostles. How many believe we need this in our lives? And we need to live unashamed. And, and I, as I began to think about that, I, I, I wanted to bring out a few things today about what it means to be ashamed and what it looks like for people who are ashamed and how that we can avoid that and how that we can be unashamed for Jesus Christ. Amen. And, you know, really, as we mentioned about baptism, how exciting that is, it really starts with baptism, doesn't it? You know, being unashamed and being bold for the Lord starts with water baptism. When you make a public declaration and a profession of your faith in the, in the, really in the view of many witnesses that I believe in Jesus Christ, I accept him as my Lord and Savior and the forgiveness of sins, and I, I, I dedicate my life to be his disciple and to follow his word. How many know that's what baptism is? right? That's that first step that you made of being an unashamed Christian. That, that, really, that, that really bold step that you took. But how many know it doesn't stop with baptism? It doesn't stop with water baptism. It goes on all, really to your everyday life of being unashamed for Jesus Christ and not being ashamed of the gospel. And I love that Paul wrote it to this church and not to the Eph church at Ephesus or uh, the, uh, the church at Corinth, but he wrote it to the Roman church because of the Roman culture that they lived in, because of the intimidation, because of the, uh, the culture of the, the Jewish cult that culture of that day and the religious practices of, of that day. He had to write this and say, I am not ashamed of the gospel. And as soon as I get to you, I'm going to preach this gospel and I'm going to preach it hard. Amen. Because I believe in the gospel of Jesus Christ. How many can lift your hand to heaven and say, I believe in the gospel of Jesus Christ. I'm fully convinced of it. I'm unashamed of it. I'm not afraid of it. I'm not embarrassed by it. Come on. I'm not offended by it. And I don't think it's foolishness. I mean, no, that's what it means to be ashamed. People who are ashamed of the gospel are ashamed of the gospel message. They're ashamed of the person of Jesus, the power of God, and the people of God. Amen? Amen? You know where I'm going with those three points. Amen. So, you know, that, that's what it, it really is. They're, they're embarrassed, they're offended, and they think it's foolishness. And so the Bible talks about that, what it is about being ashamed. And I'm going to share the three things with you about being ashamed. In 1 Corinthians chapter 1... If you'll turn over there with me, 1 Corinthians chapter 1, I'm going to start in verse 18. I'm going to jump around a little bit, so uh, if you're turning in your Bible or clicking on your device, just kind of stay with me. 
In 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 18, Paul says this. He says, for the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. But to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and the intelligence of the, uh, the, intelligence of the intelligent I will frustrate. And that was in Isaiah's gospel. And then in, in verse 21, he says, God was pleased that through the foolishness of what was being preached to save those who believe. Verse 23, but we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to the Jews and foolishness to the Gentiles. Verse 24, but to those whom God has called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. Jesus, he's saying, is the power of God and the wisdom of God. Verse 25, for the foolishness of God is wiser than human wisdom and the weakness of God is stronger than human strength. Amen. And so we see that through the foolishness of preaching, the the Bible says that God chose that, the foolishness of preaching, amen, to save us. It seemed foolish to us. He said to the Jews, it's an offense to the Gentiles, it's foolishness. And so I I saw three things here that Paul's talking about. And then through Peter, his teachings and some of the other ones, and even Jesus, that there's three symptoms really of being ashamed. And I want to share that with you today. Number one, we see that being ashamed is the embarrassment. There's this embarrassment of the gospel, that people are embarrassed by Jesus. They're embarrassed by Christians. They're embarrassed by the people of God, the power of God, and the preaching. And, um, and really what it is is when you're embarrassed about something, how many know you want to keep it silent? You want to keep it hidden. You want to stay anonymous about it. you just, you just embarrassed about it. And, and you know, I, uh, I think of teenagers, how, you know, so, so many times teenagers think they're Parents embarrass them. They go out to the store. Mom, can you walk ahead of me? Because, you know, I, I'm cool and I've got to keep this persona. And you embarrass me. But you know what we tell our teenagers here at the church? Sometimes you embarrass us. I mean, what color is that hair? I mean, what's going on with your clothes, right? Sometimes we're like, yeah, they belong to me. They live in my house, right? And we're embarrassed by that. We're embarrassed by certain things and people. And those who are embarrassed hide and apologize. And we live in this life, those who are ashamed of the gospel begin to apologize for the gospel. I'm sorry it makes you feel uncomfortable. I'm sorry it's so straightforward. I'm sorry that there's real, you know, the reality of truth hits you that hard, but I don't know what to tell you. I'm sorry, but how many know we don't apologize for the gospel? Paul was saying, I'm not ashamed. I'm not embarrassed. I don't hide it. I don't apologize for it. And he said this in Rome. And in fact, and we see in Paul's later life, he stood before the, 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 the leaders of Rome boldly declaring the gospel of Jesus Christ. Amen. When he could say, well, you know, I, 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 I didn't really vote for you last year, but you know, I'm, you know me, I'm not really kind of trying to start any trouble here. I'm just, you know, a uh, you know, a good little Christian. How many know he didn't do that? He was bold about the faith. Amen. Clear about the faith. You know, let, let's look at real quick the, the denial of Peter. Because he was ashamed at one point in his life of Jesus. He was embarrassed to be associated with Jesus. In, in all four Gospels, the Bible makes it clear. It's when and t- and t- All four of them teach it and, and write it down. They wrote it down that in, as Jesus was um, uh, really kind of the illegal trials of Jesus, he was, being, he was arrested. Uh, 
you know, before his crucifixion and he was, uh, the illegal trials of Jesus were going on and, and uh, Peter followed from afar off, the Bible says. He just wanted to check it out and see what was going on. And, and he warmed himself by a fire that they had there in the center. And pretty soon people began to recognize him. Oh, you're one of those. Oh, you're, I, I know you're with, I saw you with Jesus. You were in church. I saw you going into that church the other day. I saw you. And what did Peter do three times? No, I didn't. I don't know who he is. I don't know those people. I'm not associated with them. You don't know what you're talking about. The Bible says he got so upset that he even cursed. And he not just said bad words, as we would like to think of cursing, but the Bible says he prayed curses down on people. I mean, he was upset. He got so mad and so upset, he wanted to sell it really good. Like, I don't know this guy, and, and if, you, if you don't stop, we're going to go right here, okay? Because you're merely making me mad. And so the Bible says that he denied Jesus three times. I don't know who he is. I don't know that guy. I've never seen him in my life. I don't know those people. I'm not associated with that crowd. Are you kidding me? I mean, uh, you, you, you just don't know me. You don't know who I am. You're lying. You didn't see me. Come on. And the Bible says that he denied Jesus three times. He disowned Jesus at that moment. He, he disowned the disciples and he said, look, I don't know who these people are. He's embarrassed to be associated with Jesus. Think about it. Paul said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus. I'm not ashamed of Jesus. Amen. And, and here we see this in Peter's life. And you know, it's amazing is that all, of all the thousands of people that Jesus ministered to, of all the hundreds of people that followed him, only a handful of people stood at the foot of the cross when Jesus was being crucified. There was a shame in the cross. There was humility in the cross. There was, there, was a, there was a buzz going around in Rome that if you were with Jesus and associated with him, that you too were going to be arrested and you too would be persecuted and you would even maybe even be put to death. And there was that fear going around and the, all that. And it's amazing how many people at one time made Jesus so popular, but yet at the cross, when it right, came right down to it, there was only a handful of people that were willing to say, I am not ashamed of this man who hangs on the cross. Wow. Think about it. So we see that. They're ashamed of Jesus. And then we see that Peter also, at one time in his life, was ashamed of people. He was ashamed of the new people coming to Jesus. He was ashamed of the new believers. The Bible uh, records a, an incident in Galatians. Paul recounts the story in chapter 2, and he says at one time... Peter uh, was, was uh, you know, he was afraid to be seen with the Gentiles. He was having lunch with the Jews or the Gentiles at one time. He kind of snuck in and, oh, there's some brothers in Christ and they're Gentiles. And, and, uh, and he said, okay, I'm a Jew. I'm going to have lunch with them. And, and as soon as the Jews, other Jews walked in, the Bible says he got up. He disassociated himself. I don't know who they are. I'm, those people, uh, aren't they crazy? They're, uh, who, who wants to be with them? And the Bible says that Paul got so upset that he... He confronted him to the face. He called him out. And he said, look, he said, this is not the spirit of Christ. This is not what this is all about. He said, it's amazing how you can say that you're a Jew, but you can't minister to the Gentiles because you're afraid to be with them. How many know that there was people, amen, the disciples initially were embarrassed by the people who were with Jesus. I mean, you've got ex-prostitutes, you've got tax collectors, you've got Pharisees, you've got the dreads of society, you've got the poor, the lepers that were hanging out with Jesus, and people were embarrassed to be with that crowd. Think about it. So there's this embarrassment about the people of God. There's this embarrassment and the shame that we feel about being with believers who know the Lord. 
Amen. But how many know in Christ, we're all one in Jesus Christ? And it doesn't matter where you are or who you are and where you come from. We're all one, and we've got to accept one another in Jesus Christ. Anybody? You can't be ashamed. Amen to the people of God. i got to be honest. I'm really weirded out by some Christians, but I can't be ashamed of them. I've got to own that I know them, and they're part of my family. They're a little crazy, but we're related. Amen. You know... I love this scripture in Hebrews chapter 11 talks about Moses. Look at the scripture in Hebrews chapter 11 starting in verse, amen, I believe it's in verse 24. This is a, a very good snapshot of Moses who just had a tremendous, um, really tremendous testimony. But the Bible says in verse 24 that by faith Moses, when he had grown up, refused to be known as the son of Pharaoh's daughter. Verse 25, he chose to be mistreated along with the people of God rather than enjoy the pleasures of sin for a short time. He regarded disgrace for the sake of Christ as a greater value than the treasures of Egypt because he was looking ahead to the reward. Verse 27, by faith he left Egypt, not fearing the king's anger. He persevered because he saw him who was invisible. That he was willing to be labeled with the people that were in slavery. He was willing to be mistreated along with the people of God. Amen. Rather than joy, sin for a season. How many know? Amen. That's unashamed. Think about it. He left the royalty of Egypt. He left that. He turned his back on that. And he turned and he identified with the people that were enslaved. And they were the people of God. Amen. That's what the Bible says. That he was not ashamed to be accounted as one of the Israelites. Because he was one. And, and so we see this in Peter's life. The denial of Jesus. The, the, the really disowning Jesus. And then really being ashamed and embarrassed by other Christians and other believers. And you know, one of the things I just want to throw out is just like this story with Peter and this denial of Peter. How many know, just like the entire story, Jesus forgives? <laughs> How many know what happened after Peter's denial? Well, a few days later, the Bible says that Jesus approached Peter and he said, Peter, do you love me? Yeah, Lord, you know I love you. Said it again. Peter, do you love me? Said it three times. Peter, do you love me? How many know that Jesus forgave him for every single time that he denied Jesus? Amen. The Bible says that Jesus forgave him. Do you love me? Yes, I do, Lord. And he confessed that I love you, Lord. I'll never do that again. I'll never be ashamed of you again. I'll stand boldly. And then we see in the book of Acts, Acts chapter 2, who was the one that stood up on the day of Pentecost? Peter stood up and said, I'm going to preach the gospel. I'm not going to be ashamed. I'm not going to be afraid. Amen. I'm not going to hide anymore. I made the mistake of doing that. But how many know every time Peter denied Jesus, Jesus forgave him. And one of the key things here I want to just point out about this is that even if you are embarrassed, even if you are ashamed, even if you deny Jesus, there is forgiveness for you. Amen. And it really is about love, isn't it? And Jesus gives him the remedy and the healing remedy for being ashamed. He gives him the cure for shame and the principles of boldness. He said, love me and love others more than you love yourself. How many know that's the principle, uh, really, of boldness? If you want to be bold for the Lord, you just got to love God with all your heart. How many know you love other people better than you love yourself? You're going to be unashamed. Amen. You're not going to be embarrassed to call them brother or sister in Christ. And the second thing we see is that not just are people embarrassed, but what the word means to be ashamed means to be offended. It means to find an offense with the gospel. It means to be offended at who Jesus is and, and what the gospel represents. Those who are offended attack and resist. 
Those who are offended at the gospel, those who find offense in the gospel, usually attack and resist it. They're the ones that are always standing on the outside, criticizing what it means to be a Christian, but they don't want to get involved. How many know that's being ashamed? Amen. And so being ashamed is being offended. The Bible says that the Jews are offended and the Gentiles think it's crazy. They think it's ridiculous. It's foolishness. And so we see these two things happen here, the, the Jews. And so to the Jews back then, Jesus was an offense. Did you know that one of the names of Jesus as the, uh, the prophets of, uh, in the Old Testament refer to Jesus is called him the rock of offense? He was called the stone of stumbling. Yes, he was the cornerstone. He was the, the foundation stone. He was the capstone. But he was called the stone of stumbling, the rock of offense. When people came to Jesus and they didn't believe in him, they stumbled. They fell. When they heard that he was the only way, the only truth, the only life, they didn't like that. They were offended at that. They didn't appreciate that. They didn't understand it. Come on, somebody. They didn't understand it. They were offended. They were, Jesus is called the rock of offense. How many know Jesus loves everyone and he's going to save everyone, but how many, they, whoever believes in him, but how many know he offends people? <laughs> and so Paul says, I'm not ashamed of Jesus. I'm not ashamed of the gospel, even though it offends people. It offended me at one time. He said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. Being ashamed means that the gospel offends you. Jesus offended their hearts and their minds back then. In fact, when Paul was preaching in the book of Acts to the Jews and the Jewish leaders, he said this, talked about Jesus, and he said, whom you delivered up, and you denied him in the presence of Pilate, and you denied the Holy One of Israel, and you desired a murderer to be granted unto you instead of Jesus. In verse 15, chapter 13, and killed the Prince of Life, whom God raised from the dead. You denied him. You rejected him. You're the one. Come on, somebody. How many know that hurts, doesn't it? Amen. Can you, can you imagine that? And so to the Jews back then, he was offense. He was in a rock of offense. But to us today, I believe that some people today are offended at the gospel of Jesus Christ because they're offended at the fact that Jesus is exclusive, that Jesus claims that he is God, that he is the only way, truth, and light, that we claim and he claims that the Bible is the only authority and the only truth that God recognizes. There's people that are offended at the identity that God presents in Genesis chapter 1 through 3. They're offended at the definition of marriage. They're offended at the definition of sexuality. They're offended at the, at the definition of salvation. We believe that everyone can be saved. We believe that there's many ways to heaven. How many know people are offended when you tell them there's only one way to heaven, that's through Jesus Christ. Amen? I don't know. People are offended at that. They're offended at the teachings of the Bible on sin. They're offended at the doctrines and the teachings of hell. They don't like to hear about holiness. They don't like the fact that the Bible is the exclusive word of God and there's no other truth that stands close to it. This offends them. I mean, no, this is uh, being ashamed of the gospel when you're offended at the gospel. Amen. They're ashamed of the message. Well, I believe that the gospel is too negative. I believe that the Bible is too harsh. It's full of rules, and it's all about, it's all about rules, and it's all about uh, what you can't do, and it's all about uh, all those things. How I many know that's an offense in people's hearts? They're offended. They're ashamed of it. They're ashamed. And, and so they, they, be, uh, they attack and they come out and they resist the gospel and they don't really like the gospel. Yes, they want to go to heaven, but they don't want to die. <laughs> 
They don't like the message that it brings. They don't like the, the, the sacrifice and some of the things that it requires of us. Well, I believe that God did it all for us, and I don't have to do anything, and I can live my life any old way, and I'm going to heaven no matter what I do. How many know that's an offense? There's, there's, a, there's a, a theme of being ashamed there, that you're, you're ashamed that, that, that the Bible teaches us that you have to live a certain way and act a certain way and speak a certain way, and people are afraid of that, and they're ashamed of that. Can anybody say amen? It's getting real quiet in here. Don't get quiet on me, but it's ashamed of that, and the hard sayings of Jesus, I mean... I mean, you know, I've heard people say all these things about the reality of truth. How do we know if it's in the Bible, it's true, and, and, and it's, it, if it's written and God spoke it, we, we've got to live it. Amen? We, we believe it. I do. I believe in all of it. And so that reaction, uh, that knee-jerk reaction for people who are ashamed is to water down the message. It's to water down the gospel, water down the truth. Well, that's not what it said. It really doesn't mean that. I mean, you, you know, God understands. You can kind of do that. How I many know to water down the message is not a good thing? And, and to change the language. Let's change the language of the Bible. Well, it didn't really mean that. I mean, and, and, and if, how many know if you change the language, you change the meaning? And if you change the meaning, you change the action of it and the, and, and the, and the accountability in it and the responsibility to it. And so, so this is what happens when we begin to water this down. And, and that's the knee-jerk reaction if you're ashamed of the gospel. And, the, and people who have been ashamed have said that, well, the gospel is only spiritual, it's not literal. Well, it doesn't mean literal death. It doesn't mean literal hell. It only means spiritual hell and spiritual suffering. And, and it's, only, it's only a picture of, of suffering. Flames, there's no real flames. There's no real, you know, you really don't have to be holy and live right. I mean, that's only if you want to and if you can do it your best. Come on. Come on, somebody. Amen. That's being ashamed. And so, it really means that, it, that the Bible's flawed. I, I've heard people teach that it, the Bible's flawed because men writ, wrote the Bible and men were flawed. And so the Bible's flawed. And it's progressive. It's constantly changing, keeping up with our times and the meanings and definitions are changing because of it. And, it, and it's unacceptable by our culture. And you just don't understand. I mean, people just don't want to hear the gospel of Jesus the way that it's preached in the Bible. So l- let's just use the Bible as a reference. Let's just kind of say that it's, it's part of our... It's part of the Christian symbolism and it's part of, uh, you know, it's part of Christianity. But how many know, amen, that's being unashamed. That's being unashamed when you, when, when you don't, when you're offended at the gospel. Amen. And the third thing is, is that the Bible makes it clear that many people believe that the gospel and the teaching of the Bible, but specifically the gospel of Jesus Christ is foolishness. It's ridiculous. And in the whole Christianity and Christians, they're foolish, they're ridiculous. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, as we read, but in verse 21, it says, God was pleased through the foolishness that was preached to save those who believe. That through the foolishness of the gospel, amen, to save us. Amen. How many know it sounded crazy when you first heard it? How many know? You ever, when you ever hear that? You ever, when, you, when you were, before you knew God, you, you heard a, somebody talk about creation, you're like, that just sounds ridiculous. I mean, there's just one designer, there's a master designer, and, and he's orchestrated all this, and he created all this. I mean, that doesn't sound, that sounds foolish to me. How do you know it's foolishness to those who are perishing, the Bible says, because they haven't believed, because they haven't turned their heart over, because they're not willing to believe. In 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14, it says this. It says, the person without the Spirit does not accept the things that come from the Spirit of God, but considers them foolishness. It's foolishness. That's what they say. It's ridiculous. It doesn't make sense. Like you guys are crazy. 
right? I mean, you, you, I mean now again, I, I've been in this thing a long time and I think some Christians are really crazy, but I can't imagine some people who don't believe in God and they think, man, you're really crazy. Like you've lost your mind. Like this is so foolish. It's ridiculous. Like it's laughable. And you know, Christians and Christianity, but the Bible says that they can't understand or accept the things of the Spirit. And in verse uh, 14, they don't understand because they are discerned, the things of God are discerned only through the Spirit. You've got to have the Holy Spirit to understand the things of the Spirit. Because if you don't, it's going to sound crazy. It's going to sound foolish. But aren't you glad that when we preach the gospel to people, there's an element of faith. And when they hear the gospel, they can believe. If they put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ, they'll begin to see the gospel for what it is. Jesus for who he is. God for who he is. Come on, somebody. And they'll begin to understand the gospel of Jesus Christ. How many can say that was my testimony? I thought church was crazy. I thought Christians were nuts. Like these people lost their mind. And all of a sudden I realized and Jesus touched me and all of a sudden wow everything became real everything I made sense to me I understood it now it's not crazy it makes total sense that God loved me before he knew me and he's the creator and he sent his son to remedy the sin of uh, the, the sickness and disease and of sin come on and unrighteousness and man that makes a lot of sense to me amen so when people consider it foolishness and foolish they don't take it seriously. A person who thinks that the gospel is foolishness doesn't take it seriously. They don't think it applies to them. They don't think it applies today. They don't take it seriously. They think that uh, just the whole Christianity is foolish, that, that Christians aren't intelligent. They're simple-minded people. They are narrow-minded. They can't think for themselves. Uh, they're lesser in society. Um, they are basically, it's an easy way to escape reality. Uh, your little uh, fantasy world of Christianity, it's just for you to escape reality because you can't deal with it and you really can't think for yourself and you're really not intelligent like I am. I mean, no, the Bible says that the foolishness of God, I mean, it is, I mean, it's way smart. I mean, the foolish, the wisdom of a man is just foolishness to God is what it says. I mean, it's laughable. I mean, our wisdom and our, our, what we think is so great and so intelligent without God, the Bible says God just thinks it's foolish. It's just, doesn't, it's ridiculous to him. Like, he's like, really, 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 really? I mean, you're going to say that. These, you know, chemicals and these atoms came together, exploded, and now you have all this stuff and, and all, really? I mean, that's, you know, and the Lord is doing that, amen. And they don't take it seriously. Do you know, one of the things about the Christian faith that the Bible teaches us is that we are to be sober-minded. What does that mean? That means that we are to live sincerely and take grace seriously. We're to take the things of the Lord seriously. We're not to think that the Bible is common, the things of the Lord are common, and we're not to think that church and God's people and the principles of God are just laughable and, and common. We're to take it serious. We're to take life serious. How many know the Bible teaches that? You got to take life serious. Amen. And, and it's not foolish. Amen. But it is real. Amen. And serious. And so it's not just uh, people don't take it serious, but also they believe that what makes it foolish is it's not relevant. It's an ancient religion. I mean, it's out of touch. It's written in a different time. It's, I mean, it's just, are you kidding me? There's a bunch of ancient text, right? I mean, you know, people that say that, most of the people that I've heard say that, they're in love with a couple movies that are based on an ancient text, an ancient religion, Star Wars. It's based on an ancient religion, right? 
and we take that serious and not, yeah, right? And then they think, ah, Christianity's foolish. But that's what they say. It's based on an ancient religion. It's written thousands of years ago. It's irrelevant. And because it's irrelevant, I don't have to. And because it's not written for in today's language, I don't have to. I've heard people say that, well, Jesus didn't preach on homosexuality, so I don't have to. And he didn't make a stand on it, so I don't have to. I mean, no, that's foolishness. They believe it's foolishness, and that is foolishness. And so the Bible teaches us that. And so those who think that it's foolish ignore and are indifferent. They ignore truth, and they ignore the Bible, and ignore God. And they're indifferent to church and God's people and the things of the Lord. Let me go into this quickly. And that is the destiny of the ashamed. The Bible talks about it in Revelation chapter 21. And I need to hurry through this. But Revelation chapter 21. Turn with me to Revelation chapter 21. It talks about the ashamed and what, what the destiny of those who are ashamed. And as John is having this tremendous Really, it's the, the, the vision or the revelation of Jesus Christ. But John was seeing this. He saw the great throne and he saw the book of the Lamb that was open. The book of life that were open. The Bible says the other books, plural, were open. And that will be judged out of those things, those books, plural, from what we've done. And so he saw the book of life and he saw these things. And he saw people being judged out of those things and, and giving their eternal sentence. And then he said this, that Jesus spoke to him in verse 6. And he said... That Jesus said to me, it is done. I am Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty, I will give water without cost from the spring of water of life. And those who are victorious will inherit all this. And I will be their God and they will be my children. Verse 8. But the cowardly, the fearful, the ashamed, the unbelieving, the vile, the murderers, the sexual immoral, those who practice magic arts, the idolaters, all liars will be cons consigned to the fiery lake of burning sulfur. This is the second death, the Bible says. Verse 8, the cowardly, the fearful, the ashamed. That's what it means. Those who are ashamed, those who are afraid, those who are cowardly, the fearful. The Bible says that they will find their place in the lake of fire. Think about it. So the Bible also describes those who are the shamed, people that are ashamed of the gospel. Number one, I believe they're ruled by fear. They're ruled by fear. They're dominated by failure of themselves, the rejection of other people. Um, they're, they're dominated by fear. They're ruled by fear. Well, I preach the gospel, Pastor Matt, I preach the gospel in my silent example. I believe that we don't have the right to tell people how to live. Well, I believe that I don't want to push Jesus on anybody. Listen, don't push Jesus on anybody. Just talk about Jesus. Amen? You don't have to worry about shoving Jesus down people's throat. I, I mean, don't do that, but, but yet talk about Jesus. Don't be ashamed about Jesus at the same time. Come on. Amen. And yes, you're to live an example, but you're also to be bold in your example. Amen. And not silent in your example, but vocal and bold. And the Bible makes it clear that those who are, are, are cowardly, those who are ashamed of the gospel, are not only ruled by fear, but they are filled with excuses. They're filled with excuses. And, and, and somebody said this, that what, what is the definition of an excuse? The definition of an excuse is the price at which you can be bought. <laughs> That's a definite excuse. What will it talk, take to you to quit? What will it take you to give up? What will it take you to, to deny Jesus? What will it take you to, to be ashamed of Jesus? What price can you be bought? That's what someone described being filled with excuses is sometimes. And being filled with excuses is someone who constantly says to Jesus, yes, but. Yes, I'll follow you, but 
first I want to go back. I want to do this. I want to live this life. I want to have fun. I want to, I want to party. I want to do that. Then I'll serve you. How many know if you're going to follow Jesus, you can't say yes, but you just have to say yes. Amen? You're full of excuses. That's what I mean. And number three, those who the Bible teaches, those who are cowardly and ashamed, it's those who envy the world. Those who look back and long at the things of the world. Those who want the pleasures of this world. The material things of this world. Who, who live their life based on the sensuality and the desires of their flesh and the world. Uh, that's, that's what the, the, you, you become ashamed of the gospel. Because you know the gospel teaches a different way. You know the gospel is going to require something of you. And you don't want to go that way. But you'd rather live for yourself, live for the world, live in the pleasures of sin. That's what you'd rather do. And you envy the world. You want to be in the world. You long for the world, but you also know you got to be a Christian and you got to go to church and you got to look the, come on. <laughs> I mean, I'm talking about Proverbs chapter 10 says, winking at sin, sin leads to sorrow. A bold reproof leads to peace. Amen. And then of course, what do we see awaits the shame believer? It, the Bible says the lake of fire, the second death. That awaits the a fearful and the ashamed, the cowardly um, person. Amen, the Bible says. And in Luke chapter 12, Jesus said what, what we're, what it's, you know, really what we're going to cost us. He said this in Luke 12 and also in Mark 8. He said that if you deny me before men, I'll deny you before my Father and all the holy angels. So how many know it, that's, what, that's at stake? That's what Jesus says is at stake. It's not your reputation here on earth. It's not materialism here on earth. It's not your fame and glory here on earth. That's not what's at stake. What's really at stake is when you get to heaven and Jesus says, I never knew him. I never knew that person. I'm ashamed of that person. I really don't want to talk about that person. I'm embarrassed that they're here. <laughs> I'm embarrassed. Think about it. That's what it means to be ashamed. If we deny him, Jesus, the Bible says clearly that he will deny us. But how many know if we boldly declare him, he will boldly declare us in before his father and holy angels. And I don't know about you, but I want the Lord to say, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Amen. Enter into the joy of the Lord. Amen. So anything that I go through, any persecution, any suffering I go through for the name of Jesus is well worth it because I'd rather suffer here than be separated in eternity from Jesus. Amen. Anybody? And so what does the unashamed look like? In closing, what does the unashamed look like? Number one, I believe they look fearless. The unashamed is a fearless person. That doesn't mean they're obnoxious. That doesn't mean they're the loudest in the crowd. That just means they're fearless. Amen. They have courage in the Lord, strength in the Lord. They're bold in their words, in their action. They're fearless. Amen. It also means that they're faithful. Someone who's unashamed of Jesus is faithful. Faithful to his teachings. Faithful to his word. Faithful to him. Whether they go through uh, times of, of, of anything, really, of struggling and stress and pain, or whether they go through victory and, and triumph, they're faithful to Jesus Christ. That means they're sold out. They're completely sold out to Jesus Christ, completely, amen. They're also filled, so it's fearless, faithful, and filled, amen. It means that they're filled by the Holy Spirit, they're led by the Holy Spirit, they walk in the Spirit, and there's a few other things, they're joyful. Those who are unashamed are joyful, the Bible says. There's nothing that they, they have to lose in the Lord. There's, they're thankful for everything, they're joyful, amen. There's not anything really that can get them discouraged, they're joyful, amen. And the other thing is, is that those who are unashamed in the gospel, they glory in the cross of Jesus Christ. 
They're not ashamed of the cross of Jesus. They glory. The Bible says that Paul said that I might glory in the shame of the cross. Because what does the cross of Jesus represent? It represents humility and shame and death and pain. And who wants to identify with that? But yet, when we are baptized in Christ, the Bible says we identify with his death on the cross. But like Jesus rose from the grave, so we come out of that watery grave, resurrected in newness of life. Does anybody believe that? Amen. And so the Bible says that we are to glory in the cross. That's what it means to be unashamed of Jesus. Amen. It also means to obey God's every word, to trust in, fully depend on, completely be satisfied with Jesus. I'm unashamed, amen, of the gospel. And when you're living unashamed, it impacts other people. I mean, it has such an impact on other people when you live unashamed. It's usually when you live in courage, does the, the, really the backbone of other people begin to stiffen, as Billy Graham said. Amen. When you step out in courage and you live boldly for the Lord and you speak clearly, amen, the gospel, guess what happens? Other people get encouraged. Man, I'll tell you what, you ever had a friend that, man, they just stood up to the bully at school, and guess what you did? You stood right behind that guy. Yeah, that's what we're saying. Yeah, you better go home right now. Yeah, I'm telling you right now. Come on, somebody. Because we got that boldness now, and we have that confidence now, and now that we, 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 we live in that, that really fearless and faithful and filled, we can impact other people. Amen. And the last thing I wanted to share, to be unashamed, I want to I encourage you, you got to keep it fueled. You've got to keep it fueled. In 2 Timothy chapter 1, Paul tells Timothy how to keep um, courage and boldness fueled in your life. How to stay away from being unashamed of the gospel. He said this, stir up the gift. Stir up the gift of God in you that was given to you laying hands. Go back to the day you got saved and the passion you had and, and the awesome uh, uh, work that Jesus did. And be, just let that gift stir up in you. The gift of salvation, the gift of the Holy Ghost, let it just stir up in you. Keep it in remembrance. Don't let it get cold. Don't let it put on the back burner. Don't ever put other things in front of it. He said, stir it up. Amen. And then what does he say? And, and let me just read it to you in 2 Timothy because it's so good. And then we're going to pray. Amen. In 2 Timothy, he said this, Wherefore, I put you in remembrance that you stir up the gift of God, which was given to you by the laying out of my hands. In verse 7, For God hath not given us a spirit of fear, but a power, love, and sound mind. Be not thou therefore ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor me as a prisoner of God. Amen. How many know we're not going to be ashamed of the testimony of Jesus? We're not going to be ashamed of those who are suffering for the Lord. We're not going to be ashamed of the people of God, the power of God. Amen. The person of God. He said you need to be, amen. And bold in your faith, be thou partaker of the afflictions of the gospel according to the power of God. That's what it's all about. And when he closes this letter and he encourages Timothy, he said, you've got to keep this fueled in your life. You got to keep the cross of Jesus Christ, amen, fueled in your life. Don't forget, don't ever forget about the blood of Jesus and how, what God did for you and the mercy of God and how much God loved you by giving you, amen, Jesus and the gift of salvation. Keep it fueled. Stir it up. Don't ever forget about it. Then you're going to be unashamed. Then when persecution comes, when trials come, amen, when people, amen, say all kinds of manner of evil against you, guess what? You're going to stand unashamed. And you're going to say, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Why? Because that's how I got saved. That's what's going to save this world. That's what this world needs. Amen. I'm not ashamed of what people need. This is what they need. They need the gospel of Jesus Christ. And therefore we say, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Amen.
Can you stand on your feet today? Amen. We talked about the, the, the three symptoms of being ashamed. Embarrassment, offense, foolishness. But again, I want to draw your attention to the key that he talks about and just mentioned it. What, what, the key that he, he draws, Paul draws it in Romans chapter 1. And what Jesus talked about in Mark 8. What was the key to this? It is the gospel. The preaching of the cross. The cross is the center. This is what it's all about. He said that this is the, it's the pathway. It's the gateway. It's the pathway. It's the center. It's the crossroad. It's right there. It's the cross of Jesus Christ. Don't ever be ashamed at the gospel of Jesus Christ. The preaching of the cross. And in Mark 8, Jesus said that we need to, if we want to follow him, we've got to take up our cross. We've got to deny ourselves, take up our cross. He said, what would it profit a man if he gained the whole world and lost his own soul? Then later on he said this, if you're ashamed of me, I'll be ashamed of you. But if you stand for me, I'll stand for you. Amen? And so the cross is really what it's about, the preaching of the gospel. And as Paul writes here, he says, the preaching of the gospel is the power of God and it is the wisdom of God. Christ crucified is the wisdom of God. And if you want to explain who God is, if you want people to find out who God is, you have to go to the cross. It's only through the cross of Jesus Christ. That's why Jesus boldly declared, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. No man gets to the Father but by me. I am the door to salvation. I am the bread of life. Come on, I am the way. And so Jesus declares this and he lets people know. And it's through that message that people find freedom. It's through that message that people find who God is, find out their purpose in life, can, can come to the eternal life that Jesus Christ offers. Can you say amen? So we need to be unashamed of the gospel message. And we need to be unashamed of the person of God, the power of God, and the people of God. Amen? I don't know about you, but I want, to, I want to be unashamed today. I want the Lord to do work in my life, Lord. I don't ever want to be ashamed. Because, you know, there's going to be a day and a time, and you may not be, you may, may not have to, you know, really defend the gospel at gunpoint in, in this country. But there's going to come a time where people are going to say, do you believe in Jesus? Who do you say Jesus is? Are you a Christian? And how many know you need to boldly say, yes, I am. Like Peter, who after denied Jesus, then he said, what did he say? And Jesus brought it back. He said, I am convinced and fully persuaded that you are the Christ, the son of the living God. I know who you are. I know who I am in you. And I know what the gospel is all about. How many know it is the power of God unto salvation? It's what people need. So let's not be afraid of it. Let's not be ashamed. Let's not be embarrassed or offended or think it's foolish. Amen. But let's come at people with the loving message of Jesus Christ through the gospel of Jesus. Amen. Father, we just thank you today for the freeing, life-giving, altering, changing message of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Thank you, Lord, that it's through the gospel when I was 16 that I heard that you loved me and you always loved me and you created me before I was born, had a purpose for me, and you wanted to fellowship with me and, and Lord I couldn't believe it but it was by your mercy and by your grace and it was that message that brought me to you healed me of my heart my brokenness my uh, sickness and disease Lord everything the curse was broken everything in my life that was wrong all of a sudden turned right side up and I saw reality I saw life for what it was I saw Jesus and I thank you Lord that today that message is still the same the gospel of Jesus Christ it has to go around 
It has to be heard. Every creature, every person has got to hear the message of Jesus Christ, the love of God, the cross of Jesus, the empty tomb, the resurrected Savior, and the coming King. We thank you for it. We give you all the praise and all the glory in Jesus' mighty name. And everybody said, amen.